to that dear voice. Welcome back to the 573 Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Ebers. Thanks again, guys and gals out there for tuning in to another good episode. I think you guys will enjoy. I sit down with Casey Kimmery. Casey is a local guy from the 573 area. He is a killer. He eats, breathes, sleeps deer hunting, and we talk about our summer preparations, what we're doing, and that's what the 573 has been doing um, in the last few weeks. We've been playing food plots, running trail cameras, scouting, shooting our bow. You name it, we're talking about it. And I hope you guys enjoy because there's a lot of good stuff to take away. Not to mention, I just love having a good conversation about whitetails. You get an idea of some of the bucks that Casey's chasing this year and some of the bucks that I'm chasing this year. And hopefully uh, we can develop that storyline and and have some good deer um, to present to you on the YouTube channel. You know, we the 573 has a couple videos out now, just kind of some vlogs trying to... Uh, to portray that picture of, of how the season's going to start and, and where we're going with it. So I appreciate you guys listening. I appreciate your patience. Uh, it's been a while since we put a podcast out, but uh, I think you're going to like it. Um, let's go ahead and get into it. So you come bearing gifts. Yeah, <laughs> I guess. Tell us, tell us what you got for us. Um, I've got um, three sheds here. Um, oh my these, goodness these are all deer that i have at least one year of history with some with two um and some with three uh, well they if you know the viewers could see our listeners could see then uh they would see some pretty big tanks here are these these uh bucks that you can hunt on your property these are these are um Two of these bucks are from one of my leases, and one of them is from the other lease. Um, this first one I'm holding here, it's, you know, mainframe five-point side with split G2, uh, is a deer I call Biggie. And um, he's on my one lease, and we've known about him for quite a while. My uh, wife has actually seen this deer in person uh, more times than I have. Oh, but, wow. Uh, <laughs> yes, I did see him last year on December 5th. Um, across an ag field from where i was i watched him get up out of his bed he was in a small patch of a uh, timber and he got up walked to the edge of the of the cut cornfield and then walked down and uh disappeared into the woodlot and that was the only time i've actually ever seen him on the hoof so what do you think he is you think three and a half year old four and a half? i don't know for sure i'm guessing i would if i had to guess by his body and the pictures i had i would i would put him at around four man he's got i'm holding him in my hand right now and yeah He's going to be a beast this year. What do you think about that pedicle? I know people can't see it, but um, that's got me a little worried <laughs> about yeah. him, you know. Well, uh, you know, I, I shot a buck in late season this last year, and uh, when we skull mounted it, it obviously it came off uh-huh. in the video, but uh, when we skull mounted it, it had some issues. Um, I've heard mixed reviews on it is Mm -hmm. that you know some people they grow back normal some people have had lopsided uh, racks gotcha um so really i don't know maybe he accidentally knocked this off where'd you find it um i i found it in a spot where not very far from where my wife has seen him um i think it's a place where he beds so was it was it next to a tree or something maybe he hit it up against a tree you know it wasn't it was just kind of it's kind of a clear cut inside the woods um 
Well, it's the way interesting. the way this pedicle looks, guys, is it's about an inch from the skull. So, I mean, if anybody wants to comment and and let us know what you guys think about, you know, different sheds being the pedicles coming off clean or if they've got an inch of bone, hopefully uh Hopefully this guy shows up yeah. real soon. Yeah, and, hopefully uh, we'll find out. Yeah. And then, uh, so what? What do you got? You got a couple more sides. There any sets yeah. in there? Huh? Oh my goodness! No, Look at this one. I um I found a lot of sheds this year. For me, I normally find about five or six, and this year I found um, sixteen. So well, you put the miles on. Yes, my numbers were up. Um, I guess I'll talk about this deer just a little bit. Um, this is a deer I call Slim Shady. Um, he's just a big, giant eight-pointer. Um, I have some pictures of this deer. I'm pretty sure he's pushing probably um, probably 22 to 24 inches wide. Uh, he's got a 27-inch wow. main beam on this shed. The brow tine is yeah, super long. Yeah, big old brows. He's got the same kind of brow on the other side. Um the pictures I have of him, I've never really got a real good view of his brows. The one I do is kind of blurry, and I believe his other side may be split, but it's it's equally just as tall as this one here. Um, I like the name too, Slim Shady. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I just uh, he wasn't as he wasn't as massive as the other couple of uh, sheds that I found. Of He's here, unique but, though yes. in his own. He's got a, what looks to be a pretty long main beam there and yeah. really long brow tine. And I'm I'm no professional scorer, but I I think I scored this shed at I think it was right at sixty three and a half. So wow. I mean, that's pretty good. Did you score these good. other two sheds you got in here? I did. Um, Biggie was um, sixty one on on that side there. Sixty one. Huh? Yep. And then um, this uh, this last shed I brought to look at this. Oh man, this deer is a monster. Kind of my favorite, honestly. <laughs> yes, <laughs> he looks good and gnarly. Um, I got pictures of this deer. This deer, I've only know if I do know about him from years past. I can't put him with what buck. I've went back through. Um, he's a mainframe five point side right now. I went back through some uh, pictures of some eight pointers that I had from years past on that property. Um, just trying to link him together, and I'm I'm just not a hundred percent that um that I knew him before, but um. As would happen, this deer showed up um, the morning after I filled my last buck tag for Missouri. So I was, you know, kind of done hunting for the year other than uh, I was going to try and shoot a few does and you only get two buck tags in Missouri now. So, uh, but I made a point to uh, to find, try and find his sheds. <laughs> and uh, the day I, I found the Slim Shady shed, I was looking for him and I found Slim Shady first and then... Um, I called this deer Shug and um, found his shed probably 130 yards from where I found the Slim Shady shed there. And um, this five-point side measured, um, my scoring was 73 and a half inches. So, wow, you know, he's, I don't know, he's just big. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'll barely get my hand around his base. I forget what that base measurement score was, but... Um, and all it's the a really big deer. gnarly character it's got going yes. at the base. It's yeah, man, that's gonna be a special one if you if you get yes. back on track with him. Right, I love that naughty stuff there. You know when they start getting like that on the base and 
Any idea what makes that happen? No, no, no clue. But I know it's it's cool. <laughs> right. I really like it. You know, I'm a I'm a I'm a big namer too. You know, yeah. I, I I name my bucks purely because if I don't and I'm talking about a deer with my friends, then nobody's going to know what I'm talking about, where I'm talking about it being at, and try right. not to spill all the beans everywhere, but. Then your your close friends have a general idea of what you're talking about, but yes, yes, you know. I agree. I'm the I'm the same way. And some I know guys that you know they they kill a lot of big deer and never given one of them a name, you know. But I I enjoy it too. And then I can like you said, you can talk about it. And I I do. Me, and my wife, you know, I show her all my trail cam pictures. She hunts a little bit, not near as much as me and stuff. But but she likes to know what's going on with them. She you know, do you get any pictures of Biggie? Especially since she's seen him a few times, she kind of feels like she's got a connection to that deer exactly (laughs) creates a story yes it does you got a couple kids and i'm sure they get excited whenever you talk about it yeah just growing up in a in a hunting household yeah yeah actually hadley uh my youngest it'll this year be her first uh her first youth season she gets to go this year so oh, trying exciting. to get everything figured out i'm getting some blinds i don't i don't usually hunt for deer from blinds um unless i'm kind of i do I, I shouldn't say i don't i do set them up for like more for observations and if uh you know if i want a nice spot to go kick back you know during rifle season try and shoot a doe or something like that you know um i have a few for that but um i don't think i'm gonna end up setting about three different ones up this year um, for her for youth season so hopefully we have some luck uh, she seems pretty excited about it so yeah i'll be looking out to see uh yeah. what happens <laughs> yeah that'll be exciting it will be i'm hoping that i can get my little nephew out uh i've got i built a blind on my property uh-huh. um just a, a small box blind to, for gun season specifically yep. and it really does well during the youth season but obviously right i don't hunt during the youth season <laughs> <Right>. so <laughs> yeah i can't wait to see him get out there and hopefully get a shot at one yeah yeah and youth season in missouri that's a it's a good time to be out there and, and you know select spots that's for sure no so. doubt now these bucks you got here you know um you're obviously got some history on them mm-hmm. do you have any trail cameras out this year have you picked up any any sign of any of these bucks that you showed me so far today or um yes i do have quite a few trail cameras out this year so um i just i just had a we were talking about before the show um i just had another child i had my daughter jada she is um she is a week and a half old right now so (laughs) she is uh oh my goodness yeah well congratulations thank you thank you and um so one of the things that I've been doing ever since I found out my wife was pregnant was um, I've been buying up a lot of trail cameras, just mainly because I know I knew I wouldn't be able to get out as much, do as much scouting. You know, I, you know, I like to watch some bean fields and that kind of thing, and I don't even know how much I'm going to be able to do that this year. You know, um, having a six-year-old and a newborn, um, things are pretty busy around the house. So, um, yeah, I invest. I've got, I've got. Uh, I think i've got 14 or 15 cameras now where in years past i've probably run in four or five so i've added 10 or so to the arsenal wow yeah and uh, i've got them all out already i wanted to make a point to get them out before the baby was due and uh baby would do july 3rd and she came on july 3rd so um they're all out um i do not have any pictures of these three bucks um 
it doesn't worry me because in years past all three of these bucks the past pictures i have about them it seems like all of them show up in october and uh, i do have some cool deer on camera i actually have a, a deer on camera i've never found his sheds i've never seen him on the hoof but i get a picture of him about every year and uh he's a double drop time buck this year um, oh wow yeah a couple of years ago he had about a seven inch drop on one side two years ago and uh well, I got his picture this year. He's standing there in the cornfield. He's got his head kicked back, and he's kind of, kind of cocked at the right angle. And I can see both. He's got he's a mainframe eight pointer with two drop tines, one on each side. So that's pretty sweet. Yeah, it's yeah, it's, it's still cool to get pictures of them. You know, even if they're not a deer that you know calls your place home, and and you just never know. You know, yeah, somebody could bump him from where he hangs out in the fall, and he could he could end up on my place this October. So. Yeah, I usually don't get too discouraged about not getting pictures in the summer. In fact, I get a little excited because I know that a lot of the times when I don't get those pictures in the summertime, it's usually because they'll be there in the fall. Yes, and um, man, um, I kind of hunt where close to where I grew up hunting even. Um, as a crow flies, it's probably two miles from my grandfather's old property is where I lease some ground now. And... Um, I know a lot of people live on that road and it was crazy because in summertime on my grandpa's farm years back I had a couple cameras when I was younger um, running like the old film cameras and like the first digital ones that came out I can remember they um, I'd get some pictures of some really really nice bucks and um, come September 15th they were nowhere to be found <laughs> they were nowhere to be found and and uh like I said I knew some of the neighbors over there and uh they would always end up harvesting at least a couple of the bucks that I had on camera in the summer you know yeah. it was just they they were where those deer wanted to be in the fall so that was sure. just the way it worked out but yeah well either way it gets you excited for the fall yes it does yes it does and, the, uh, the bachelor group with that double drop time the other day I think there was eight bucks in one pitcher standing in that cornfield so there was a there was a nice 10 pointer could be um one of these deer but i i don't think so you know but it's still hard to tell they got you know balled up tips and stuff when you're just not 100 percent sure what they're gonna be yeah but, no and uh you know of that bachelor group there's probably gonna be some bucks coming through during the rut uh that you're getting in velvet season you know that tends to be the case in a lot of times that you know these summer bucks they do move but hey they they're familiar with the area they're going to come back and yes check it out see what does are hot in the area yes yes i would agree i well, would agree with that i mean you've got a good selection here for the fall uh but i hope that drop, double drop time summer buck comes through for you <laughs> yeah, I know. that'd be really cool to I see i keep thinking for some reason i was talking earlier about my youngest or about my oldest daughter in her first youth season i keep thinking for some reason that might be the the best weekend to see him that would oh, be uh, wow. quite the deal, wouldn't it? If your first deer was a double drop time, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know, I don't know how Spoiler that's gonna go, quick. right? <laughs> wouldn't know what she had, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. So you know, what other summer preparations are you making for the fall this year? Oh man, um, I've got um, probably total um, my leases all together total, and then my dad's property don't even combine to make uh they probably make 90 acres total maybe 95 but um i've got i think right at three acres of food plots in this year so far um 
And that, that, that'd probably be all I'm going to do. Um, I do got one clover plot that didn't really come up. So I'm going to be trying to rework that ground. And I think I'm going to put in some kind of a fall mix for that. So I've been mowing clover plots a lot um, so far this summer. I've been, I have done a little bit of scouting um, before uh, my, da- my second daughter was born um, the other day. I did a whole lot of scouting, um, you know, in the after season, right after deer season, you know, in that, in that February, March time frame, um, scouted some public, found some, um, really good sign on public. I may even, um, bounce over there. Um, I'm kind of a reserved hunter. I, I always want to be aggressive and then, uh, but I don't ever really want to be aggressive on my spots where I watch these deer just cause it seems like year in, year out, they're just they're not there as much in October. They kind of, you know, they start showing up in October and I don't want to run them off before it gets really good, you know? So mm-hmm. I scouted some public ground that, uh, I'm probably going to, uh, try to get into in October this year. If I've got the time to do some hunting then, um, found a bunch of sign in there, but, um, yeah, I've j- basically just got my cameras out. Like I said, I got them all set up. Um, I bought some cell cameras. Um, I had a couple, I've had a couple of them that weren't sending me pictures, um, so I had to go out and mess with them a little bit. One of them, it was on the tree for like a week, a brand new camera, and I went back to it. It wasn't sending me pictures, and I opened it up, and it was just, it was just full of ants. Oh um, man! Yeah, tried kind of not. I you know I sat there and kind of beat it softly on the palm of my hand, tried to get as many of the ants out as I could. Um, you know, took it home, let it just sit in the garage there for a couple of days, pulled the battery tray and SD card out and, um, just opened it up and, um, put some of them ant killer things around it. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but I took it out and I put it back out and I, I still, I don't think it's working correctly after, after, the um, ant attack. Huh? After the ant attack. After the ant attack, yes. It just, uh, I put it on a tree and it, it's a camera that has the option. You can go to the app and tell it to take a picture. And I told it to, told it to do that today and I haven't received a picture. So I'm kind of thinking I need to go and just, uh, pull it, maybe send it in, see if I can have them go over it maybe, but. Have you ever tried using the, uh, Sawyer's permethrin spray to kind of spray around, uh, the camera and. You know, I've never used that on a on a camera. I've used that stuff on my pants, and um, I just he- heard somebody talking about that the other day about putting that on the strap of your camera and uh, maybe some on the tree and stuff. And uh, oh yeah, they said that works really well. So that's gonna be something I'm gonna have to try because yeah, the ants are driving me crazy. <laughs> it's it's one of the better purchases I've ever made. Specifically, you know, I use it a lot during turkey season and when mm-hmm. I'm scouting in the summertime. It's just. You know, I'm constantly getting ate up by ticks. And yes. I tell you what, you know, most people say spray it on, leave it for like 12 hours, and then put put it on and go out scouting. Mm-hmm. I spray it on, and it pretty much it works instantly for me. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. So you just, you just use it like a spray for like right when you get out of the truck, you put it on. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I've had really good luck today. I had a logger come out on the property, and we walked through and had the stuff sprayed on me. And, you know, it not a tick really that's 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 good because yeah like i went out to grab that camera that i'm talking about the other day and i was uh literally in the woods for maybe 20 minutes total and uh when i came back out i think i had five ticks on me so <laughs> they still still seem to be gr- going strong this summer yeah no and it's 
it's you know a big big deal. You know, ticks can cause a lot of damage. I don't know about yeah. you, but I'm a big fan of red meat. <laughs> oh, and <yeah>. uh, <laughs> apparently, there's a disease out, tick-borne disease now that causes allergy to red meat. I don't know what I would do. Yes, I've uh, I've heard about that. I'm also a big fan of red meat, so, <laughs> so I don't think we'd be. Doing I don't this need podcast to be bit by that one. <laughs> no, me either. Uh, but no, I, I've I've heard good things on you know YouTube and other podcasts of that working mm-hmm. with the trail cameras, and I tried it. I haven't had any ant problems, but. I've never had any ant problems before. Right, so I right. I don't know if it's working or if I'm just getting lucky. <laughs> and uh, something else I know, um, and you may have heard this as well, but um, a guy said if you um, don't care that much about the sound, and which I don't really, I mean, yeah, I've, you know, if you got your camera on video mode and in a rut, you know, you might pick up some vocalizations and stuff. But I mean, that's not the main thing I'm looking for. But um, they said to tape over the speaker holes in your camera. So I went and did that to all my cameras, too. Okay. So now they all have tape over the speakers, which I don't run a whole lot of them on video mode. Um, but a couple of them I have on video mode, you know. And um, I was planning on running quite a few of them on video mode uh, when we get to October, when I get them put over scrapes. Yeah, so. yeah that would be some cool footage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. Now, do you uh, do you have a strategy to how you put your cameras out in the summer is it different from the fall yeah um you know i kind of tried something different um this year because um this deer suge um i kind of just overloaded his area with cameras because he's gonna i i'm gonna i'm gonna make my focus on him and slim shady they're on one lease together um biggie's on another lease and um I'm, my main focus is going to be those two deer, and um, I just kind of wanted to try and find out more about them if I could. So um, rather than just you know going to inside corners of bean fields and stuff, I mean I've I've got um, cameras scattered all throughout the woods, and a lot of the places I put them came from where I found their sheds, and then trails that I found during the the uh, you know early winter months in January, February, whatever, mm-hmm. uh, when I was scouting, I marked a bunch of things on Onyx and I put those cameras around those spots. Um, there's also a, like a small pond in the woods and on this piece of property, I put one of the cameras on that, you know, hoping I can catch them maybe, you know, coming in to get some water or something. I mean, this time of year, I'm sure they're yeah. needing a lot of water. Yep. There is a, you know, there's a couple, it's in farm country, so there's a couple farm ponds pretty close on the neighboring properties too, so, you know, that might be kind of a long shot, but like I said, I I found their, both their sheds within 130 yards, and and um, some people would say, you know, that's, you know, that's just where they were in the late season and stuff, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of deer that the place they are in the summer is the, you know, is the same place they revert back to, you know, I mean, we're in heavy farm ground, I in my opinion, those deer are always able to find a field not very far away to feed, you know. And if they've got their spot already picked out where there's cover and there's food, you know, all the crops are cut. It's not like the farmers go through and leaves for certain stuff. And, you know, some of them may, but, you know, I think they just revert back to where they were in the summer a lot of times. And oh, yeah, it's like some people just think that, oh, they're just going to go to where the best food source is. I'm like, you know, if there's pretty decent food in a place that they're comfortable with already – I bet you they'd go back to that spot, you know. And I know that from planting food plots, you know. I mean, if if a deer's comfortable and he's got enough food and he, 
you know, and you got this beautiful standing plot, that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to come in. If he's got everything he needs in the late season, there's no reason for him to move somewhere else, you know, Absolutely. take a chance. So Yeah, especially with the amount of pressure that we get yes. uh, year in and year out. But, all right, so you're putting all your eggs in one basket, it looks, looks like this year. Yeah, that's so the way it's looking. Kind of just scattered. How how, uh, how many acres is that lease? That lease that those two deer are on is 30 acres. Wow. So, so we're, we're playing small game, small property game. and Yes, yes, I Just am. how many cameras would you say you have out on uh, 30 acres? I've got eight cameras on 30 acres. Well, I would imagine that's probably covering it. <laughs> yeah, it's got it. It's got it covered. <laughs> there, is there even eight trails on 30 yeah, acres? Yeah, there, you know, it's actually, it's a, it's a surprisingly deer dense area, you know, and I'm just, I'm just, it's, you know, it hooks, it hooks onto other good properties, which are surprisingly low pressure, um, which yeah. is awesome yeah, too, you know, um, nice. but yeah, it's, um. It's the right 30, you know what I mean? It yeah. is. It uh, it really is. A lot so. of times that's what it takes is, is okay, you hear people shooting big bucks on 3,000 acres and you hear people shooting bucks on five acres. It just matters about the locations of yes. those, those properties. And Yes. Sounds like you got yourself a good one there. Yeah, and to be honest, you know, I've, you know, I've harvested quite a few deer in, in my life and um, the largest piece of property that i think i've ever taken a buck off that i have on a wall i took one buck off in a the largest property was 120 acres i think and other than that everything has been below 70 acres wow yeah i can relate you know a lot of my permission pieces are 80 and under mm-hmm. yeah I, I don't i can't really think of anything that i've ever hunted that was above 100 acres uh, I did, I did have one, one piece on permission that was a lot more than a hundred acres, but it was all ag and about 20 acres of timber right? with edge and yep. stuff like that. But yep. other than that, that, that spot has since gone, but I've definitely, mm-hmm. uh, used to the, the small property game Yes, and it, it can be a fun one to play, but it can be frustrating frustrating at times whenever you know that buck is close but he's just not daylighting on you yes absolutely you know and you can do you can do a lot of damage that's probably one of the reasons i am as reserved as i am because you know growing up hunting small properties my grandpa's place was uh 20 acres and i'd say 10 of that was his yard in his house i mean he literally mowed 10 you know big open he had a little pond there by his house and and so i left about 10 acres to hunt and there was three acres tell bull back there in the back so there's like a three acre opening which i usually put a food plot into and then about seven acres of woods and i can honestly say that i had some of the worst hardest deer seasons i ever had in my life out there because i was young and i didn't understand the the value of the pressure that i was putting on i just wanted to hunt yeah i wanted to be out there and by god i had deer seasons come and go where i felt like i saw less than 10 deer a whole season you know and it you know and then sure. i had yeah. i had one season out there where i killed a you know the biggest buck i've ever killed which was i never got him for sure scored probably an upper 150s low 160s buck a mainframe 12 pointer or 10 pointer with two splits made him a 12 pointer and then i killed a like 140 inch um uh mainframe eight pointer with a small drop time making him a nine and um that year that I killed those two bucks, I never stepped foot into those woods until 
October 29th, which was the first time in October 29th, I killed the eight pointer with the drop tine. That tag was full, so Missouri, you know, had to wait till opening day of rifle season to get, you know, another buck tag. So I didn't hunt, went back to work, and, uh, you know, just let it ride. Opening day of rifle season, went in there and um, killed the second buck. You know, I hunted two days that season, and I had a buck both times. You know, that, that, that really put it into perspective for me, you know, just how much me not being there putting pressure on them, you know, was doing. So... Yeah, that's a huge factor for a lot of small properties is just staying out of there until the timing is right. And, you know, nowadays there's so much information on the Internet, it's pretty easy to figure out when the right times are. Of course, that varies from property to property and what terrain you have and, you know, is the farm got crop rotations? Are you planting food plots? Is there enough timber? All that factors into it, but... Definitely, the virgin sits are yes, they're the they're money sits. What is a? I got a question for you. What What is your favorite day in Missouri to hunt? If you had to pick one day to be deer hunting in Missouri, what day would that be? You Ooh. got one, or do you know? You ever thought about it? I could I could pick a five day span. Oh, okay. What's that five day span? Oh. October twenty sixth to the thirty first. That's my okay. favorite. Okay, that's my yeah. favorite time to hunt. Uh, for whatever reason, I've had uh, on the properties that I hunt really good luck with getting a lot of daylight movement and a lot of the times it's bucks cruising looking for that first doe i mean obviously there's those those gems of properties that have those early does that come in in Mm mid-october um but those are not those are few and far between yeah but i've noticed it definitely increases and i've got a few spots that i've got nailed down really well yeah in between that time frame well, that's interesting. I thought I thought for sure I was going to hear like the the fifth through the tenth of November or something, something like that. So that do you that have a favorite day or time span? I do. I have a I have I have a favorite day now, and that's just because I've I've killed uh I've killed two bucks on that day, and I've killed um, two other bucks one the day before that day and one the day after, and so I've kind of narrowed it down. That's my new favorite day, I guess. I I think before in years past. My favorite day was always um, November fifteenth, but now I call it November twelfth. My favorite day. So okay. maybe maybe my five day span is probably like the tenth through the fifteenth, probably. You okay. know, if I had to knock it down in here in Missouri. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of different ways to skin a cat, and yeah. uh, like I said, you know, we talked about it just previously that you know there's a lot of factors that go into the deer moving on certain properties, and some some are good right there at the end of October and some of them are good yes. right there before the gun season. Yeah. So, um, as you're putting these trail cameras out in the summertime, mm-hmm. are you putting anything in front of the cameras as far as like mineral or corn or apples, anything? No, I, um, I used to do some of that, um, years back and I, I got away from that cause I felt like it took away from the realistic movement of deer because, you know, I mean, we're not going to hunt over the bait, you know, legal here. It's illegal here in Missouri. You know, it's got to be out a couple weeks before. And I, I think it's great for inventory. If you don't know what bucks are on your, you know, you get a new piece and you really want to know, or, or if you want to make sure something's made it through, um, it's probably great for that. But I just kind of think that it gives you, gives people kind of, you know, false, you know, information as far as movement, you know, um, 
them deer coming there because once that once that mineral is gone they go back to doing what they were doing before and that's not coming through there where the mineral's at but i do i did this year i put up four different i tried to make my own mock scrapes i've never tried to make scrapes before but i went um i guess it would have been in january and bought four big pieces of the like hemp rope Okay. You know, mm-hmm. and um, and I made four different r- rope scrapes, and um, I only have one camera on one of them right now, and I haven't I haven't sent it to them at all or anything. I'm just been, um, you know, everybody that does those things you see on YouTube, they say to um, put them out there and let them hang, let them get weathered, get all the scent off of them, you know, and then uh, and then try throwing something on them, you know, closer to fall. And so that's my plan right okay. now. What. Uh, where would you set these mock scrapes up at? How are you setting them up? I've been just putting them in the middle of trails. Okay. So if uh, if I know where there's a big trail that I've seen was heavily used in years past, that's where I put them. And then one of them, um, where I alluded to, where Biggie stepped out of that bedding area that was kind of a small, it's like a small little chunk of timber right off the edge of this skinny wood draw that comes out of this bigger wood block on the edge of a field. And I hung one right there just because I'm, you know. That's where you seen yeah, him? Yeah, most recent information of him, I guess. That was the last time I seen him, so that's where I put that one. Sure. Yeah, yeah it makes sense, and it all, it all makes sense. Really putting out some, some scrapes is definitely a good way to get inventory as well as hopefully develop a strategy come fall time. Yes, yeah. I've never really done much hunting over scrapes. Um can't really tell you why i get you know you you read a lot of different things some people say hunt over scrapes some people say deer only hit scrapes at nighttime you know this and that and which i've i've had cameras on scrapes i've seen them hit them in the daylight but it's i've never had a deer um on camera on any scrapes that i've ran that was coming to a scrape every day sure you know no um, pat, no, no no pattern. patterns so that's probably what's always kind of kept me from from hunting them and maybe it was just that i never had my camera in front of the right scrape you know that could be a thing too um it seems like hunting where we live here in, in farm country the edges of these fields you know uh, my one lease i can go down it at the end of november and i mean all your fingers and toes you know counting scrapes you know i mean some big some little you know and i you know how, how do you differentiate between those i don't really know um it's i guess tough. if i found one in cover and it was huge then i would be oh hey this is this is probably community scrape you know yeah. um but i don't i also don't walk through i don't like walking through my timber in october so that's another thing about me being reserved so maybe that's why i don't find those big scrapes because i feel like my presence there. being in there is is you know more counterproductive than me going in there to look for a scrape maybe well so. what's what's working for you you know yeah why why change it exactly you know exactly i i kind of tend to notice that whenever i see a scrape the way i kind of decipher between if it's worthy of sitting over or not is how fresh it is and okay. you know that's hard to tell sometimes early in the season mm-hmm. just based off of sometimes they're just using it as a licking branch so yeah you can't tell when yeah. the last time they licked that no, know, branchers no. <laughs> rub their eye glands in on it but yeah but you you can tell you can tell in october when oh, it yeah. rains and you come back through can't you and then oh, you absolutely. know or snow oh, yeah. comes down yes. and that that's the only spot that don't have snow right on it. right right or you know even in the fall when there's a bunch of leaves everywhere else and uh yeah that one's not doesn't have a single leaf laying in it 
Yes, they stand out then for sure. Absolutely. So that's kind of what I key in on. Um, but you, like you said, you know, there's so many scrapes on field edges and stuff like yes. that that uh, it's hard to distinguish what's daytime scrape movement, what's nighttime. Yep. But you know, that's why we have those handy trail cameras. Yes, that's true. <laughs> is there uh, is there any favorites that you have as far as reliability, battery life, trigger speed, anything like that as far as trail cameras you use? Um. I don't, I, I can't for sure say right now. I bought, you know, which they're, they sell like hotcakes, I guess, last year, but the um, Tacticam reveals. I bought some of the new Reveal Xs this year, and, um, you know, some people say they're great. Some people say, you know, they're a $100 cell camera. Well, I've had other $100 cell cameras, like uh, the Spy Points, and I can tell you right now that, um, these tactic camera reveals have blown me away compared to the spy points. Now, whether or not these cameras are going to last, I have no clue. I've owned the, the, uh, tactic cams that I've had. I, I've owned them for about three months and they've only been on the tree, probably two. So, you know, whether or not they're going to last or not, I'm not real sure, but I know they are taking pictures. They send them to me. Their app works great. That was another thing with spy point. I would go in to change my data plan. Couldn't even get through. You call their customer service line. It's busy. You know, you're on hold for 30, 45 minutes. I, that just something that bites me, being stuck on the phone, waiting to talk to somebody. Not to mention that um, can't be good if the service line is busy. Right, exactly. That's what <laughs> I kept thinking. I was like, I can't even get through because everybody in the country is having problems with these things is what I was thinking. So, you know, customer service is a huge thing, I think. Um, you know, I owned a, you know, a Reconyx camera. Um sure a lot of people know what those are and they know what they cost but um fancy yeah i won a thousand dollars on a scratcher ticket (laughs) one night and i said you know what i'm gonna go buy one of those cameras and i did and um man honestly that camera was flat out amazing i mean there's there's no ifs ands or buts about it that camera worked and worked and worked it's probably still working for whoever stole it but oh, wow. it, um, yes, oh, I'm sure. Well, actually, probably not because it was coded. So I don't even. Who knows what they did with it? But yeah, I, I when that thing came up missing, uh, that was a sad day because that camera had taken. I had it for probably seven seasons before it got stolen. Six or seven seasons, and just so reliable. You never had to worry about that thing. You know if it worked or not. Once you turned it on. It was taking pictures of whatever walked in front of it. It was great. Yeah, that sounds so, like a really good camera. Yeah. I've, I've never personally owned any Reconyx, but yeah. I did recently get one of those Tacticam reveals. Yeah. The first version. The first and, version? Yep. Okay. And uh, I've had it out for about two weeks, and it's in one of those spots that I'm not getting a lot of pictures because I'm thinking it's going to be more of a fall location. It's over a scrape that's not being really utilized right now. Right. And uh, it takes pictures of what does walk by it. And like you said, that app is perfect. It yes. was easy setup. Yes. So I, I really I really think that I'll be in the market for more of those. Um, yeah. just seeing how much you know, how the season goes, obviously. Right. Yes. I I bought two of them to start out with and once I got them got to I was using them around the house, just trying to get familiar with them. And um after I had them for a couple of days I went to get back on and they were sold out of them or I didn't search real hard for them i had bought them from bass pro and bass pro didn't have anymore and uh it was a couple days later i got an email saying they're back in stock 
And um, I don't know if you remember last year, but you couldn't you couldn't get your hand on one of the first versions hardly. No, they were they were gone. Once people found out about them, they they sold like fire. They were gone. They were probably the best selling product in the hunting industry last year. I would not surprise me at all. You know, I, I heard you know they really. I think uh, I heard somewhere they really upped their manufacturing this year. They're just trying to keep up, and I I still think they may be having a little bit of trouble. Not near as bad. I you can you can find them for sure. But, uh, yeah, I got back online after getting an email notification that they were back in stock. And uh, I went ahead and bought four more of them. So I've got six of them. <laughs> so, but, you wow. know, um, you know, I don't have to go check them. Time and money is a is a huge thing when it comes to checking trail cameras, you know. And just, once again, your presence in the woods, you know. I love that I don't have to walk in there and check them. I love it. Yeah. You know. And, um but, you know, kind of like you, I'm getting a lot of pictures of does and fawns right now, and <laughs> I just got to trust that they're in good spots, and when the, uh, when the bucks show up, they'll, they'll walk in front of them. Absolutely, absolutely. So, you know, I, I, uh, outside of cell cameras, now I did get uh, a browning cell camera, but I, I love browning cell cameras, regular trail cameras. Just yep. Have you ever tried any of those? I have a browning, and it's been amazing for yeah, us. I mean, it really is. It's been a great trail camera. I have... Uh, I have no complaints about it. It was another one of my cameras that did get hit by ants a little bit, and it's been fidgety. But I don't, I don't blame that on the camera itself at all because before that, it worked phenomenal. So, yeah, no, I, I, I mean, reliability, battery life, trigger speed. I don't get blurry pictures when deer walk by. Mm-hmm. It's just been really good camera to me, and yeah. I, I actually just bought three more. Uh, they were on back order, but I'll be getting them in the summer and. Cause I've got some some spots that are, are naked right now. They don't yeah. got any cameras yeah. in them, and I'm wondering what's going on. You know, uh, I uh, I'm trying. I'm I'm probably gonna buy probably five to ten more cameras uh, before the end of this season. I'd say I'll have them out and about. Cause I'm like you, I I got a few spots still. Even in, though my properties are pretty small, I've got a few other spots I'd like to have something watching, and. Uh, I've got three of the the cheapest camera you can get the Tasco. Oh yeah. Do you have any of those? Yeah, I have one of those, yeah. and it works great. Works great, I know. And uh, well, I I told you about my Reconyx getting stolen. Well, I've had um, I've had three cameras stolen, and uh, in one kind of particular spot on one lease, you know, and it it's in a it's in a corner and it's close to the neighbor's property line. So I don't know if they're seeing my cameras coming over and getting them, you know. But um, I'm I've gotten some good cameras stolen. So that spot, I've decided I'm just going to take four or five of those Tascos, which I have two or three of them already, but they're in different spots. And uh, I'm going to kind of overload that area. Just for one, you know, I want to know what the deer are doing. And hopefully, you know, if somebody sees one, they don't see the other one. Maybe I'll figure out what's going on. Sure. So that makes a lot of sense. (laughs) And hopefully you can catch the... uh criminal yeah yeah and having stuff because that's just there's nothing worse than going to check a camera and it not being there you know especially if you've let it soak for a month month and a half you know you're thinking i'm gonna have all this data i'm gonna know what the deer are doing you know yeah just yeah well i think we beat trail cameras to death uh (laughs) these folks might be getting a little sick of it (laughs) well there's a lot more that goes into the summer prep and you said that you've been working on some clover plots that's Mm kind of your go-to food plot yeah in in the fall yeah just because uh man it's 
you know, you can get a lot of money wrapped up in food plots, you know. Um, I've done corn before in food plots. I've done beans. I've had good luck with both, um, actually. But, it, you know, they're, you know, a lot more expensive. You know, clover it just keeps coming up once you get us established, you know. Um, so I've been trying. I've got a couple clover plots. actually went in with a, uh, with a skid steer this uh, past winter inside of a big cedar thicket and knocked a hole in the center of it. Um, probably pushed, um, 40, 50 trees over and cleared it out and, uh, went back in there and seeded it over in clover and it is coming up awesome. Actually, it's probably where I get, I probably get more pictures of deer in that food plot than, um, than anywhere else. I've got any cameras. I've got a camera on that plot and every night there's deer in that plot. You know, I mean, it's literally in the center of a huge cedar thicket. I came through, I knocked some cedars down making me a path to where this field is and then I took the cedars that I pushed down in the actual plot and pushed them up as kind of like a wall to where I can walk in for this trail and I'm gonna have a stand up in the tree where you basically you walk in the pushed over cedars are taller than your head you walk right into the base of the tree you can climb up the back side of the tree climb right into the stand and you're in man that sounds bulletproof yeah it it looks really bulletproof we'll see how it works but it looks really good i think now you've noticed that these uh these clover plots produce for you in the fall deer tend to stay on them you know no i haven't um i've uh, tried to put in some clover plots in the in the past couple years and uh I'm starting to find out I'm just not a very good clover farmer, but, oh. uh, <laughs> they, but, um, I may have not been doing everything right and may have been kind of behind, you know, didn't get stuff frost. you know, a lot of times they say you should frost seed clover mm-hmm. and, uh, stuff like that. And I didn't, I didn't, I didn't get that done. I did get some of that done this year and my clover plots look better than they ever have. Um, and another thing too, you know, I've got a lot of buddies that do clover plots and stuff and they said, you know, you got to give that clover a couple years, and and I did notice that from some that I planted last year, that this year they look a hundred times better. You know, mm-hmm. so um, I used a product on some of the stuff that I planted this year called Deer Grow. I think is what it was. It's like a, um, it's a liquid lime basically, and uh, basically kind of jump start your seed. So you broadcast your seed, and then you go through and you spray this stuff and. You know, it's supposed to help it germinate and, you know, it's supposed to raise your pH in your ground or whatever, or, you know, balance it. And uh, I did that on all my clover plots I planted this year. And I can tell you they all look a lot better than the ones I planted last year without having that product to apply to them. Okay. Yeah, that's uh, I, I've seen that on a lot of different YouTube channels. This year, my plan is to to try uh, the Just just way. And I've got about an acre food plot where I'm going to split it in half. Half of it be brassicas uh-huh. and the other half be uh, oats, cereal okay. rye, and uh, what else did he have? Soybeans uh-huh. and Austrian winter peas. I'm going to yeah. try that little method he's got out there and, and see how that does for me. Um, but clover would be the easiest cheapest food plot to do yes yes <laughs> but I, I just have to check it out see what all the hype's about you yeah. know what i mean and you know i i haven't even started playing yet I'm, yeah. I'm waiting till early august which i think benefits me in a lot of ways because i don't have a bunch of different does on the property yeah trying to to eat up all the food source before fall comes right and, right you know ideally you know you you look at that you know theory that Jeff Sturgis has and 
it's like, okay, well, when frost hits, doesn't that usually stunt clover for a little bit? A little bit? Yeah, you know, and I've, that's, I don't know if it stunts it. Um, not the guy to ask on that. I do think I've heard before that, you know, it's, it's not as attractive to deer once it, you know, it's got frost on it or whatever. But, um, my buddy that had some last year, you know, when the snows came in, he said he was going out to his clover plot and he's got a beautiful clover plot, um, you know, manicured, not a weed in it, it looks like, but the deer were pulling through the snow to get to his clover. And, you know, I mean, he's sitting, which, you know, all the leftover grain could have been gone by this time but you know he's sitting in between a cut cornfield on one side cut bean field on the other you know and they were pulling through the snow to get to his clover so i'm not i'm not sure what kind of a adverse effect the frost has on the clover if it really shuts it down but you know i know a lot of people talk about it being one of the best food sources for year round you know because it's something that's going to green up first in the in the spring you know and you know since it's a perennial it's going to keep coming back and We'll see. I'm not really sure. We'll have to check in with you, uh, you know, maybe next year and see how those those clover plots did for you. Because it sounds like your buddy, you know, has some better clover plots with yes. better success this year. <laughs> yeah. You know, you're still kind of dabbling in it and all that. Yeah. Kinda. See, I'm 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 big on experimenting and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So, so I'm trying his his Jeff Sturgis's theory this year. But uh, yeah, and, you know, and with the brassicas, like, I put in brassicas before, and uh, you know, give them two years. I don't know if you've ever heard that. You ever heard that? Mm-mm. Because you know, I I put in brassicas. I one year, the year I put in corn. I tell you, I planted some corn one year. I put in corn. It was half corn, and then the inside of the plot was all brassicas. And them deer did not hit them brassicas at all. And it was, I was kind of like, you know, I was like, hmm, you know, everybody, you see things on TV like, you know, deer love brassicas. They love them. But um, I read something online one time, and it said something about. Uh, I guess because it's not something they eat on all the time. It almost takes them like, you know, two seasons to kind of get to where they, they find out they really like them or whatever. Because I, I had I had no deer hit my brassicas at all, and I had a beautiful brassica plot. And um, I had talked to people afterwards, and they said that same thing that I'd read, you know, sometimes. I, whether or not there's truth to that, that's what I read, and that's what I heard, but. just food for thought you know if you don't have that good of luck maybe give her one more shot next season well i uh last year i just specifically planted brassicas so this will be my second year fortunately there you go Um, just with a mixture of other things going on well i'll be interested to see how that turns out then (laughs) yeah yeah i'm hoping i'm hoping that that's the the case that it, it turns out really well and you know like I said, I experiment a lot, so if, if it doesn't really show any results that I like and it was kind of a little bit on the price, a little bit higher than maybe a clover plot, yeah, I'm going to try the clover plot next year Yeah, and and try to get into that because it is really low maintenance. You, yes. you frost seed it in the fall, mm-hmm. you come back, mow it, mow it, and then that should mostly eliminate it. a lot of the weeds. Yes. That's what I've. That's all I've been doing. I have not went back in and resprayed my clover plots. So, I've just been mowing them, and every time I mow them, that clover gets a little taller, and I feel like it gets a little harder for all that grass to get through. And I'm thinking if I keep doing that, and then maybe frost seed them all one more time this winter, hopefully next year, they're gonna look amazing. Well, quite frankly, I mean it's probably better for the soil too because you're not constantly disturbing it all the time. Right. And yeah. Uh, have you noticed that uh, just from friends of yours or your own experience that the clover plots 
have like a like a three year to five year run, and then you gotta kind of replan them, or is uh, is you know, it kind of just go pretty well every year? I the the longest running plot that I know of that some that one of my immediate friends have that I talk to a lot about hunting. I think his clover plot's been in for three years, and it still looks beautiful. So um, you know, as far as that goes, I'm not real sure. Okay. Um, you know, I've heard that, you know, after, after so many years, you kind of got to, you either got to reseed or something, but he's also reseeded every year, every, every winter he goes out and frost seeds, new clover seed. So maybe that's what's kept his just booming, Pristine. you know? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Keeping it in check. Yeah. Now, uh, is there anything else you're doing in the summertime as far as getting ready for the fall? Um, not really, man. You know, um. I've got some, you know, some permanent sets, you know, I kind of, I move around a lot now, um, as far as hunting goes. And so I have some permanent sets, but those are more than anything. There's, there's one that's really good that, uh, me and my wife have a double hung there. We have two stands and we go there and hunt together sometimes and stuff. But, um, and then I've got a few other stands set up on field edges for her for earlier season, and um some more october hunting that kind of stuff she's not a huge fan of the cold so she does a little bit better hunting in october than she does in november and that kind of thing i don't blame her so um no i don't you know i don't do a whole lot this uh this time of year i'm kind of twiddling my thumbs with these cell cameras i'm just every time my phone goes off i'm jumping towards it right now it seems like hoping that it's a buck on there or something but oh yeah i can't uh, wait to get that first velvet photo i I just like kid in a candy store when I yeah. happens, you know. I am shooting my bow a lot. I guess yeah. that counts as something. I, that's, I'm doing that's a whole what lot. I wanted of, to get into. Oh, okay. I was yes, hoping I, you'd. Yeah. I was I'm, hoping you were shooting your bow. Oh, I'm doing. I'm shooting my bow every day. Yeah. Um, so uh, what's what's your method to shooting your bow, getting ready for the fall? And I'm you know, going, um, coming up to till July. I was shooting basically thirty arrows a day. Um, I was shooting um, kind of like in a 3D format of, a, you know, a 30 target course, and I was keeping my scores, you know. And so I did that for a while, and now I've just been – I've been going out now. I've probably only been shooting between 5 and 10 arrows a night. And it's just – I'm trying not to make myself tired and get into, you know, bad form kind of things and stuff, you know. Um, some people don't realize that. I shot a 40 target 3D course at the beginning of the summer – really fun course uh i'm used to shooting 30s and um my goodness those last 10 targets i i i just felt like i barely make it through them you know the bow was coming back and whatever i had to do to try and get it off as quick as i can because you know i was, I was tired i wasn't aiming well you know i was i was kind of wore out really um you know that was, was shooting 76 pounds at that time too i I dropped my weight down on my bow a little bit. Um, since then, I've been shooting a little lighter poundage. Dropped down actually 10 pounds. I'm shooting 66 pounds now, which um, for years and years, I hunted with a 65-pound bow. I probably went up whenever I started hunting out west, just uh, thought I needed a little bit more umph. Um, but I'm not going out west this year, so I thought this was a, if there was a year to do it, to kind of drop some poundage and try to work more on my form and stuff like that. Um and I do, I try to shoot as far as I can too, um, with those, you know, five or 10 shots at night. Um, the farthest I can get out of my yard right now is, um, is 53 yards. 
And if I do something that's probably a little frowned up on is walk across the street and stand on the other edge of the <laughs> sidewalk. If there's no cars coming, you know, game off, Wayne, that kind of thing. Uh, I can get 60. <laughs> so Neighbors I do that. I can hear the cars and stuff. It's very safe. I promise. Neighbors yeah, looking at you funny. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> but, um, you know, I try to, I try to take those farther shots right now. Um, at least the majority of them, you know, so if I'm a, if I'm going to shoot 10 arrows, I'll probably, you know, take, you know, eight of those at, um, at, you know, 50 to 60 and then maybe the last two at 20 and usually them last two at 20 are stacked on top of each other. You know, you gotta, you gotta concentrate a lot harder to, uh, to get them arrows where you want to go at 50. And, and that just kind of falls into that same concentration just rolls over when you go to shoot those shorter shots. Absolutely. Yeah. I think shooting those longer shots makes it much easier whenever it's happening that moment, you know, the, yeah. the 20 yard shot, you know, the practicing yeah. 53 yards every day, it's going to pay off huge. Yes. You know, I have a very similar uh, approach to how I shoot my bow every summer, actually pretty much year round. And, you know, it's just trying to shoot as far back mm-hmm. and about, nine to 12 arrows a night mm-hmm. if i can if i can do it you know if yes. nothing's going yes. on and whatnot but you know if you're just getting your bow out right now i'd probably start at 20 <laughs> yards and get about 10 to 12 shots in for the next couple of weeks mm-hmm. build that muscle memory back up durability because yeah. you don't realize how much mechanics you lose if you waited from deer season till now to start shooting Yes, and that's uh, that's one of the reasons I keep shooting all the time. I shoot year round, and it's because my I don't know my mechanic skills for archery are just about horrible, so I have to keep them pretty sharpened. <laughs> some <laughs> so, people are naturals. Yeah, you know, some I, people can grab that bow and really go to town, you know. But yeah. um, I I got to work for it for sure. Yeah, I know a lot of a lot of friends of mine that say, "Well, yeah, I just got the bow out on September 14th," and I was like, "Oh." Okay. Oh yeah. Well, oh, you must yeah. be a better shot than me. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. What uh what uh what kind of bow are you hunting with? I shoot with uh, an Elite Impulse. Elite Impulse. Yep. And yeah. uh it's 65 pounds also. Nice. Yeah, what about you? Um I got a Matthews Verdicts right now that I shoot. It's it's at 66 pounds. Um I'm shooting a uh, right at a 460 grain arrow, I think. Um, I shoot a single pin sight. I really like that. That yeah. helps me to concentrate a little bit better when I don't got so much um, clutter, I guess you'd call it, you know, in a, in a multi-pin sight. And uh, I recently started, um, last year I shot a hinge release for a little bit, and um, this year I actually bought a true uh, back tension release. I bought a knock-on silverback. Oh, yeah. That has really helped me to, to focus for whatever reason. Um with the hinge, I felt like I was moving my hand more to set that thing off. And with any trigger release, I feel like I get pretty punchy pretty quick. Um, but with this thing, it just kind of, you know, I'm able to relax my hand and actually use my arm, you know, my shoulder to pull through, you know. And it just seems like I'm I'm able to keep my pin on target a little bit. It works for me, you know. I, I'm able to hold that pin a little steadier on target. Then whenever I was going to move my hand or something, I felt like I was, you know, working against myself somehow or another. But um, I'm really liking that back tension release. Um, I I'm, I'm believe I'm going to hunt with it this year even. so. I'll have to look into that because I, I use a Scott release, mm-hmm. and it's it's been great to me so far. But, you know, anything yeah. up to any. Yeah. And I've heard that, you know, knock-on products are pretty good. So. Yeah. Is your, uh, is your Scott release an index trigger? 
Is it is it a rich wrist strap release? Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and you know, I, I've never really had any problems moving or anything like that. I kind of use the shoulder as well, just to yeah, kind of the delts and, uh, and well, the my, rhomboid muscles yeah. and all that. And my stuff. my advice there is, if it's not broken, don't fix it. The yeah. only reason I uh, I've been trying different things is just uh you know I had a, I've had a, some bad bouts with target panic, and I've just been trying to fix my archery game in whatever way I can. So um, well, that's a, a great point you make, and it's an important one. And the fact that you understood that you weren't shooting as best as you could and obviously for targets that's great but to you owe it to the animal to, to try to be the best shot you can be when the season comes around absolutely and yeah we've all probably been there i know i have you know i've i've hit a deer maybe not where i wanted to and and long blood trails that um you know some of them end in you know sadness you know you you know some things you know sometimes things go wrong and you don't find that animal and my goodness, I, I I've been there and I don't I don't like being there. So right. I'm gonna do everything I can to uh, to make sure that I can be successful. Now, uh, yeah, that's that's all good stuff because you know things happen. You can practice all year round, and, oh, and yeah. that deer may you know drop down a foot as the arrow's coming, or or whatever the case may be. But knowing that your setup and, and your shot isn't the reason why that deer had right. to go the, the length that it did or the shot, you yeah. know, was placed. I'm not going to say you're going to feel good if that happens, but you're going to feel a lot better if it wasn't all on you, you know. If the, if it was the deer moving, you know, that's one thing. If you if you botched the shot because you did pick up the bow September 14th, you know, that, that hurts a little worse. <laughs> it's, that's going to be in the back of your mind for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, you said that you kind of already have set tree stands up in the summer. Are you going in there trimming stuff up, making sure that they're safe and all that good stuff? And that's pretty much the extent of what you do for tree stands in the summertime? Yep, that's pretty much the extent because when I'm uh, when I'm mobile hunting, I just I carry, pack me a little saw. Um, I got my steps and stuff with me. So it's um, it's literally just up in, a, up in a tree and, you know, do my thing right there. Um, I really enjoy that, you know. I I enjoy moving around and being in a different different tree all the time, and not just, you know, I you know with um, permanent stands or hang ons that you set up, you know, you sometimes you can get complacent with them. You know, you maybe you walk to them the same way every time, and you know, constant scent trail down one trail and and that kind of thing. And I don't know, you know, I I do a lot of different things too now. Um, I feel like that I didn't do when I was younger as far as accessing where I'm going to be hunting. I try to put a lot more emphasis on that, you know, and that could be walking, you know, quarter mile out of the way up and around the property so I can I can come in where anything I walk by, you know, is not getting a wind, my wind blown into me, you know, uh, you know, stuff like that. I, uh, I, I do that a lot more than I did when I was younger feel like when I was younger I would just hang these permanent stands and uh you know you you know you got a good trail to them you know you maybe even cut you some limbs so you don't you ain't bumping into stuff on your way in and you take that trail every time and I kind of feel you know if that's something you're doing I feel like the deer kind of you know they get a little keen on that I I think in my opinion yeah they I agree yeah I would say once they at any point you know a year or two of doing the same thing over and over again they're they're hunting you yes not the other way around yes 
and that's why that you know like i was talking about that double stand um we put that stand up me and my wife years ago now and um we probably only hunt that stand if that stand gets hunted three times a year that's a lot you know for it it's um it's usually wait till the getting's good and you get in there and we've had some we've had some phenomenal sits in there we've had some phenomenal sit one day she sat in there um i was at work on november 8th one year she sat in there and she um she didn't even sit all day she got down for a little while got out of there she got a little cold and she seen um 48 deer oh my goodness and then one year i sat in there on november 10th and i seen 52 deer wow we've i mean we've just had some you weren't kidding about deer density over there. No, no, the deer density. There's no problem there. Um, Sounds like you need to slim some down. Yeah, well, the, the neighbors are, take care of that a lot of times. Oh, well, that's good. <laughs> it seems. It seems like. It seems like every year I'm like, oh my gosh, especially uh, if you ever notice in Missouri, you go to hunt like that uh, week um, of Thanksgiving after rifle season closes, and my goodness it's like you can't you can't turn up a doe hardly sometimes and it's, you start thinking about it and you're like well depending on the year you know a hundred thousand deer just got taken off the landscape you know that's that's a lot of animals it's like no one you're not seeing as much you know there's there's a lot less here right now <laughs> yeah i think missouri's underrated for how much pressure it actually gets oh yes i you know everybody talks about the big states like michigan mm-hmm. and the east coast but i really do feel like because of the way our tag systems held up yeah. and the way our season dates are that uh it's just a good way it's a good state to come to if you're an out-of-stater and you know everybody hunts in gun season if i lived in a different state i'd come to missouri every year to hunt it that's absolutely for sure you know i mean it's just i mean the tag prices the you know the uh the deer population the the even the quality of deer you know i mean i feel like a lot you know a lot of our deer don't make it to the age class that uh you know deer in like kansas and iowa illinois them states do ohio but um the genetics are here that they could and there's plenty of them that slip through you know that do make it you know so yeah that four um, point restriction i think was our saving grace as bow hunters and uh people that want to shoot a more mature animal yes i do think that has helped out a lot and you know and a lot of people a lot of people you know you see like a big six pointer or something somebody's like well i you know i can't shoot him and it's like i you know i i see a lot i've seen a lot of those pictures and if you if you look hard at them um you know and maybe it's just a thing you don't see this when you know the deer comes in and you're trying to make the right decision but a lot of those deer if they get old enough they're going to sprout off a one or two inch sticker point you know somewhere it's probably it might be on the base and you know but uh you know a lot of time that's going to become a a legal animal if there's very rarely do i think a deer would stay you know if it made it to maturity in missouri would stay below that yeah, you know, no, I, no. I just don't see that happening. I find that a lot of the older animals do, whether they're eight points or ten points. Yeah, they you usually yeah. get a little a little, trash. little non-typical ish, <laughs> uh, you could say. Mm-hmm. Um, and when they get older, now uh, scouting. You said you did a little bit of scouting this year. What were you keying in on? The have you been doing any? Was it mostly the springtime or was that summertime scouting? It was spring mostly. I did okay. a little bit in the summertime, but I I did. I, you know, I love walking around looking for sheds. Like I said, I, I never had that good of luck this year. Maybe I did put on a lot more miles, but I love being out there that time of year too, because you can see everything. It, you know, it's laid out like a map, you know, especially when the snow melts, you know, them trails just 
man, they're just mud and they're beat down and, you know, see the old rubs and stuff. I got in, I got into a spot this year, uh, that I'd never been in before, uh, when I was actually scouting some public and, and it was, it's back in there. My goodness, it was a walk. And, uh, I come across probably three different ridges to get back to it. And it was a, like a clear cut on top. And when I dropped off, which would be the northeast facing side of this ridge, when I dropped off of there, it was all this young growth, bunch of saplings, you know, tons of them in there. And I'm like, oh man, this is thick, you know, looks, looks great. Walked up through there and about a hundred yard stretch, there was probably like six different beds and thing about the beds was they were all just by themselves beds you know it wasn't Mm -hmm. like there was four beds and then four beds it was all single beds three of them were like right next to a scrape and throughout that that patch of saplings there there had to be 50 rubs you know i mean they're small saplings and you know any deer can rub them but my gosh there was a buck that come in there for sure and he made that home you know i i would say all of october november you know um, who knows when he moved out of there? He might he might have still been in there. I might have bumped him out when I was walking up in there. But uh, definitely a spot you're going to take a look at. In the very season. interesting. I want to get in. I'd like to get in there on an October morning, you know, uh, and uh, see what happens. So yeah, I I love the spring uh, scouting for that for that reason. Is it is an open landscape. You see a lot of the trails now. Not every trail is used during the hunting season. But what I like to do is, and it, and it takes a lot of time is. I like to go through with Onyx and stick the tracker on and mm-hmm. just walk all the trails I can because you find a common denominator denominator at the end, uh-huh. and that's you know where these trails are meeting is yep. probably going to be a good location to set up in the fall. Right, right. So, um, as far as my summer scouting goes, I'm I'm just cruising back roads enjoying the velvet bucks yeah and trying to get any video i can of them and have you been getting some video a little bit have yeah. you been yeah, finding yeah. some out in the beans man oh, i love yeah. that you know i i really do i uh you know I, I love that time of year watching them step into a bean field right before dark and or right before yeah it gets dark or whatever I've seen a lot of good deer over the years that way, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've gotten a, I got a video. E- even if they're not on your property, I just love driving around to look at them. Sure. Just just see them. I, it's, a, it's a cool sight to watch them walk out in that velvet, and it's, it's really neat. Yeah, I mean, it's a strategy if you're doing it around your property, but it's also super leisure. Yes. You know, it's, uh, I got a couple of buddies in my, uh, and myself, we go up to, pike county illinois every year and mm-hmm. and uh do oh some you do velvet a little bit that? oh yeah. that's a man that's cool you know i some years back i drove through there it would have been november 5th and this has been years and years ago i'm talking probably it was before i had my license i was thinking probably 2004 2003 somewhere in there and uh and we drove through there on november 5th we was up early and just took a drive up through the countryside in pike county my eye seen more action you know and that's on the missouri side of the river you know still I, we didn't go over the illinois side we we're just driving through pike county missouri and my gosh there was i felt like there was bucks everywhere <laughs> there, uh, them, pal- them pike county crazy. boys are uh, they're spoiled yeah they got it good <laughs> they got it good that's sure oh man so do you got a specific buck or anything you're looking for this year or well i've got uh, about five different permission pieces that are all under 80 acres mm-hmm. and i got my home place Gotcha. On my home place, um, 
I had put out a shed video mm-hmm. recently. That was pretty close to where I was at, oh. uh, where I live, and uh, there's there was a particular buck I yeah, found a set of sheds was, on. Yeah, I that big match. That I would love oh to see gosh. him him on the property. Now I I never got any trail cam or pictures of him during the season or anything like that, but yeah. I did some TSI work. You know, I'm hopefully establishing better food plots. You know, yeah. I don't put pressure on my area. Yeah. Um, so I'm hoping that he shows up. Yeah. Uh, he's he's a big target of mine. Um, and then I have a buck on a 50-acre piece that I call the hilltop. Mm-hmm. That buck looked very similar to the buck I killed in early season last year, except okay. he had about 20 more inches. Nice. So nice. I can only imagine <laughs> yeah. that he's going to be yeah. he's gonna be a pretty solid buck this year. Um and I'm looking forward to him too. And then uh, I've got a spot up by the Missouri River. That spot has uh, got what I call a split brow eight pointer. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was about a 140 inch buck last year. Gotcha. Really neat. Mm-hmm. He had a, a split brow on the mm-hmm. left side, and just that kind of the brow times were about eight or nine inches a piece. So man, I love that. I'm hoping <laughs> I love he tall uh, brows. <laughs> I, there's something about him. I oh, like I like massive I'm a tall brows. For him. <laughs> That's that's what I'm looking forward to this year. I, I've I'm really excited to hopefully get some of those bucks on camera yeah. soon. Yeah. Did yeah. you uh, did you ever end up scoring that set of sheds you found? I have not. You have not. No, my I gosh, like to. I just I was just curious. My gosh, they look massive in that video. Yeah. If huge. I had to guess, you know, not counting width, I'd say they're probably in the low 160s. If yeah, I had yeah. To guess. yeah. I mean, pulling them a little higher there. I'm not sure that thing. He looked huge. Yeah, that was a cool video too. That was a really neat video. Uh, it was a fun day up on that. Yep, it was a fun day. You know. Yeah, that was about you like it. you had a day. I, you know, that's kind of how this day was for me. You know, finding out of all the deer that I had camera pictures of or you know sightings of this year, these these two here were the ones I wanted to find, and I I found them both. You know, same day within an hour of each other, within a, within two hundred yards of each other. It was it was pretty cool. You know, I mean they're not matches, but two different deer, but it's still uh, is exciting. Yeah, it's good to know that they were still running around at the end of the year, and yes. And I, you know, I just think it's interesting that you do end up finding sheds around each other yes. that close. Yeah, I actually found um, I found two other smaller sheds within that same area there. I had not left a two hundred yard circle probably from where I found the first shed, and I found four total. So, well, I'm hoping that we can get on these bucks this year, Casey. Yeah, you and about me both. You, man. Uh, <laughs> But I yeah. think I think we pretty much covered all the summer prep yeah. you could possibly cover. I'm sure there's some some experts out there that would have something different to say. Yeah. But uh, that's not me, buddy. I just enjoy talking <laughs> whitetails. You and me both, man. man. I, I'm excited to get in there. I'm glad you came on. And no, and, I appreciate and, you having me, man. I uh, you know I I'm made up with this stuff. Any chance I get to talk about it, I want to do it. Uh, <laughs> I really love it. So. I'm looking forward to seeing what what's in store for both of us, and uh, I'll be definitely watching out to see what happens for you this year. Yeah, likewise, likewise for sure. It's kind of nice to have some backstory on some bucks that you got that you're chasing. Yes, it's going to mean a lot more to me whenever you shoot them. Yes, you know, knowing Man. that you've been after them bad boys. That is that is something I really get into. There is having a little background with them, so I'm sure you're the same way. So yeah, I am. I am. I'm. I'm hoping that I'll have a good story to tell. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, uh, Casey, you have anything to add? No, man. I appreciate you having me on again, man. I really enjoyed it. Thank yeah. you. Well, thanks for coming on. And, uh, you know, guys, I appreciate you listening. I know it's been a while since we put out a podcast, but uh, we're looking to pick up the pace here as we get into the fall. So keep listening, and uh, we'll see you on the next one.